All right, welcome back to Miserable and Reckless, bringing you unfiltered opinions on sports, music, culture, and all things the South, presented by the Cold Cans Network. As always, I'm Logan, sitting here with Ryan, Morgan, and Dustin. Uh, be sure to go follow us on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, check out the website, miserable-reckless.com, for some blog content and the uh, the shop for the Cold Cans Network. And, you know, this is a podcast. Podcast, we need the metrics to to go up to be able to get more people to listen to our awesome opinions that, if you're a listener of this, you know that there's lots of value and lots of great takes that we offer week in and week out. So give us five stars, a great review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, and make sure you share it with friends. That's right. Share it with your friends because we have lots of wisdom to give out. And as the regular listeners know, the good, the bad, and the ugly is next. So, Morgan, what you got? All right. Well, I got good, great, awesome, no bad or ugly this way. Um, <laughs> positive patch here. Let's see. Good. Well, I just heard earlier this week that Kevin Feige with Marvel at uh, September is going to be announcing cast for the upcoming Fantastic Four movie, which I'm sure we all know who Reed Richards is going to be, but you know, I'm, I'm sure there's like a good 5% chance that might be somebody else other than uh, um, Jim Halpert from uh, The Office. <laughs> um, my good, my great is uh, media uh, ACC media days today, and uh, Brent Pry, the new head coach at Tech, showed up in a pretty uh, slick suit with uh, Virginia Tech colors. And during his presentation, which I'll talk about later, he right as he was about to talk, he gets an up a message saying that they just got another commitment from. Uh, Richmond, fifth one from Richmond, 15th one from the state of Virginia. So I think it's safe to say he's he's owning up to what he said he's going to do, which is take back the state of Virginia. And then awesome, my little man, Brody, is uh, officially in underwear. Nice. He is rocking underwear. He has not had a pee diaper or pee diaper. Rarely wearing pull-ups now, and he hasn't had to, had an accident with pee in there in quite some time. Um, he's going to the potty every time he has to pee. He holds it when he has to go. He lets us know, "Hey, uh, I go potty now." All right, let's go. He sits down and pees. And now, twice this week, he has actually done uh, the other number on the toilet. Three? Huh? Number three? <laughs> yeah, number three. But number three is, is flu-like symptoms throwing up. She didn't even say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, number, number two, which is awesome. So he's uh, he's killing it at daycare with, with potty training and killing it at home. And it's awesome because um, we're officially out of diapers with him and looks just at night for him and underwear during the day. That was and, a mini daddy daycare celebrating the number twos. <laughs> and which is it's, it's kind of a side note to that one. His little sister, which we all know and have heard girls go much faster potty training. She also, you know, siblings also want to follow what their older brother or sister are doing. So she's hopefully, hopefully going to go even much faster potty training. And this family will be out of the... Uh, Diaper and the pull-up stage 
so much faster, so much quicker, so much sooner. I, I can't wait. Because diapers are expensive now. <laughs> Costco, yeah, you save money, but Jesus, $50 a piece for their box of diapers. Because you get, you know, quite a bit of them, but still. As you say, how many do you get? You get like a big, I think. Uh, it, it depends on the size, I think. Yeah. It's more in the little sizes, less in the bigger. But you also need less as they get older, so. Yeah. Kind of evens out. You still, you still save money by going there than to like Food Line or Harris City or Walmart, but it still hits you when you see that number. You're like, oh, all right. Yeah, man. it's it, it's 120, 140. Like, yeah, it's, it's a lot. So, things, yeah, the things that America will learn. <laughs> and thank God, thank God, we're almost out of all that crap. I could not imagine having going through that again right now with price stuff right now formula not being in the stock you know diapers being outrageously priced so anyway that's my good great deal so hopefully i did upset anyone who's got any kids on the way <laughs> and that leads me to my big announcement <laughs> <laughs> all right good bad and the ugly dustin oh man no that not that not that announcement. <laughs> um, so uh, one good or two goods this week. One of them I'll start off with. Everybody here knows. Anyone who knows me knows I'm not a golf guy. Don't care. Um, but I do like John Daly. And uh, this week, John Daly played golf with Eric Church. And he hit a ball. He drove a ball off of Eric Church's beer can, which is pretty fun to watch. There's a video out there of it. Um, if you want to see it in large, it's a little grainy because I'm sure it's off of somebody's phone, but, uh, pretty cool. John Daly's just a cool dude. He's, he's such an interesting character and he's hanging out with one of our favorites, Eric Church. Can't go wrong. Um, another good this week, I think in the past couple of days, Duke basketball announced that they would be doing a home and home with Arizona in 2023 and 2024. Um, which is pretty cool. Uh, that'll be an interesting uh, matchup and back and forth. Uh, for all the many, many Duke haters out there in the world, which are numerous, uh, they always criticize Coach K for the neutral court games, which I think is silly. But Coach Shire, as you can see, it has a, is a man uh, walking to the own beat of his drum. So he's uh, he just scheduled a home-and-home home with Arizona, which I think, It'll be fun to watch. We'll see how it goes. And then my ugly, uh, it relates to my kid's birthday, which was just recently, but it isn't about my kid. It's just tangentially related. Uh, she, for her birthday, wanted a uh, duck cake, which the guys know about. I send them a picture of it. Duck cake is uh, was an episode on Bluey. It's from like this magazine from the 70s. Anyway, there's a whole thing. So we did it, but it's not even about the cake. The frosting on this cake is a buttercream cake. Now, have you ever, I don't know if anyone here has ever made buttercream. Anybody made buttercream icing? Probably not. Nope. (laughs) So think about Paula Dean when she makes food, multiply it by 10. 
then get an equal amount of sugar and throw that in there. Not like regular sugar, like yeah. concentrated, like powdered sugar. Yeah. And like maybe like a teaspoon of vanilla, and then you whip it up and hand it out and give it to people. After making it, I'm like, this is disgusting. Yep. And I was just, I was like trying to eat it. And I was like, man, I don't even like this because I know what we did to create it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've never necessarily been Mr. Like, I've never like been pro or anti buttercream. It's just kind of, okay, if it's on something, sure. But I'm kind of anti buttercream now. <laughs> I haven't made it because all I could think about is like, man, this is disgusting. It's sugar butter. That's all it is. <laughs> It's just sugar and butter mixed together. It's, I don't know. It's not something you think about until you, or at least I never thought about until I did it. But I feel like it's pretty disgusting, and I think that's pretty ugly. (laughs) Yeah, I've never had it. (laughs) All right, Ryan, good, bad, and the ugly. All right. Um, This is part of my good, bad, and the ugly. (laughs) So I have a good... I have a bad, not a sad this week. Um, and my good is even kind of crappy. So that kind of stinks. Um, my good is the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Well, you brought up John Daly. Um, John Daly was at the Open because he is a British Open, back when it was called the British Open, winner. They get the winners together, kind of like they do at the Masters. And so seeing him show up and, and, and stand at this very, uh, you know, birthplace of golf um, over in Scotland, was kind of cool the course that they played on was considered the birthplace of golf and uh, in case we're keeping track i think that's like five or six hundred years ago uh benjamin franklin yeah, it was like 14 1500 something like that benjamin franklin was a member of this golf course so um oh, wow. <laughs> if, if that cool. tells you anything so anyways um the living members that have won all get together and john daly is one of them if i remember correctly he showed up in a mullet and like a red blazer and like a red shirt and like crazy pants so it's pretty cool, but um, that was super enjoyable to watch last week. It's mainly super enjoyable to watch last week because Roy McIlroy was kind of doing really well and running away with it. For those who don't know about Roy McIlroy, um, he's pretty much the NC State of golf in that he loses every possible chance uh, that he can to win a major when he's leading. Uh, he will find a way to lose no matter what. Um, to be fair, he was very uh, good at it. so. Cut to the chase. He has played very well this year. He needed to win the Masters. That's the last major tournament that he has to win in order to do a career Grand Slam. Why does that matter? Six people that have ever lived and walked on the face of the earth have done it. He would be the sixth. Um, He finished third (laughs) this year, which is maddeningly frustrating. That happened when we were on our camping trip. Um, Then uh, he's played through a few more majors. He's finished all top five. Uh, he was leading this. He was leading um, on the back nine and Cameron Smith, who won the players and also has a sweet mullet. In case you're keeping track of people who have won uh, in golf tournaments with mullets, um, he uh, came down and just played really great. Rory even said at the end, you know, I just got beat by a better player. Um, so that was kind of a bummer at the end, but it was still really cool to watch. And if you would like something to Google, uh, Rory McIlroy did have the last shot because he was in the last pairing and to watch. Keep me honest here, Logan, 150,000 people, 200,000 people all bum rush the 18th hole when they opened up the stands and let everybody within 30 feet of Rory as he was walking up to the green. It's a very famous hole um, because of how old it is. The uh, aerial shots did it justice. I mean, you could see 
if you've ever seen 200,000 people rush to get in place to see a guy hit a golf shot, he basically, he, and he had to hold it to make the tournament go on and he, he, he missed it. But I mean, talk about, talk about like, you could hear a pin drop and the drama. And I mean, that's what Roy McIlroy is good for. So that's why you love him. <clears throat> um, so that leads me to my bad. I was literally just responding to a text message, which came in with perfect timing. Um, my bad is that I didn't think I was going to be on this podcast this week because I thought I had been invited for the first time to a buddy of ours, Chris, who has actually been on this podcast for a one year anniversary. Um, he's also the guy that part, part owns the uh, guy's weekend's house that we always go to. And literally in the last three minutes, he texted me that he had just arrived at the weekend that I was supposed to be at this weekend. I'll just, I'll leave out why I'm not there, but there's some personal reasons associated with it. We'll leave it at that. And uh, our buddy Harney is also in the photo. So uh, the two of them literally just texted me three minutes ago. Shout out to you guys. It's perfect because it was already going to be my bad of the week anyway, that I wasn't there. So uh, kind of never... Uh, just like Rory hasn't won an open um, in a long time or a major in a long time, I guess it's, this will be the eighth year that I haven't gone to Landers. <laughs> so, um, that leads me to my side. Um, this happened on, well, this happened last weekend. I kind of put some of the pieces together on Sunday and it, it tied in. And uh, as Dustin said a couple of weeks ago or last week, sometimes we share some personal stuff. So I figured I'll just dive right into it. Um, a midshipman from the Naval Academy died this week. Uh, he was hiking. He lost his footing on a waterfall in Chile. He went over the waterfall and um, they recovered his body. Um, I live in Annapolis and I have family connected to the academy. Um, I did not know this mid and my brother, I gave away my family. Um, my brother uh, did not know him well. He may have known him tangentially. Um, I didn't know this recently, or sorry, I didn't know this until recently. So earlier this week, I found out who the father is. Um, the father of this mid is someone who's actually had a profound impact on me uh, personally. His name is Chad Bird. Um, he's a pastor. Uh, I probably listened to 75 of his podcasts and read three or four of his books since 2019. Uh, I connected with one of his books and specifically his personal story in the book uh, that he wrote called Night Driving. Um, it's m mostly about how he is a former pastor who was a pretty terrible person um, in his personal life. Uh, he was filled with gout. Uh, sorry, <laughs> filled with gout. That was a that was a Freudian <laughs> slip. Maybe that explains why I'm not at Landers. You you be the judge. <laughs> he was filled with guilt and drowning in alcohol. Speaking of gout. Um, I'll let you read the book to figure it out. I don't know this father at all. Um, we've connected once or twice on social media, but that doesn't count for anything. Um, nor do I know his son. Uh, I don't claim to understand how he feels. I don't have kids. Um, I don't claim to take this tragedy personally, and I'm not trying to make it about me. What I do know is that he helped me to heal a little bit over the past few years from some demons that I've been trying to run from somewhat unsuccessfully. <laughs> so since he helped me to heal, uh, the pastor, Chad, the father, I would like him to heal as soon as possible, if that's possible. So I don't want to get too religious about his beliefs. I know we have people who believe a lot of things that are listening, uh, but he resonates with me. So you can Google him if you'd like, his name is Chad Bird, or you can Google his book, Night Driving, because that was the one that resonated with me. And it's sad, 
but it's something that affected me. And sometimes we bring up stuff on the podcast that affects us. So very sorry for his family and for him. And I'm sorry for the Naval Academy community. And I'm sad that that was his son. And I'm sad that really anyone's son has to. Sorry to bring everyone down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for mine, I don't really have a whole lot um, of goods or bads. It's, I have a plug and two kind of like cool things. Uh, the first thing, again, I'm going to plug the college football podcast coming to the Cold Cans Network that's specifically it's the perspective of two two friends who have known each other since we were in fifth grade and one's a state fan, one's a Carolina fan. Um, and he's been on this show a couple of times, but uh, Jordan and I are going to do a seasonal pod uh, with some betting insight, some uh, regular straight up picks, and then also just kind of discussing college football a little more in depth, um, specifically with the ACC and this realignment thing, because it's obviously going to be a topic the rest of the year. But that's going to be starting in early August uh, for this upcoming fall. So check that out when it uh, when it officially drops. And then um, one of the other things that I found pretty cool, though, was last week, I think it was. Yeah, last week I was I went golfing and was golfing with a friend uh, who grew up around here in Raleigh. And he he and I were listening to the the speaker in the in the um, golf cart and Morgan Wallen came on and he got to tell he was like, yeah, you know, you know, that song 865, right? I was like, yeah, he goes. Well, the guy that one of the guys that wrote that song is a buddy of mine. He grew up here in Raleigh because I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the original title to the song was 919. It wasn't 865. It got changed to 865 when Morgan Wallen decided to cut it. But found that pretty cool that um, he knows uh, the songwriter. Uh, the guy's name is Blake Pendergrass. He's originally from this area and he knows him. So I'm going to try to, you know, maneuver my way into maybe interviewing this guy if I can. What are friends for, right? And uh, then the <laughs> the other thing is, I definitely want to uh, recommend checking out the um, there was two new EPs that came out this uh, past week, one by Zach Bryan, because if 34 songs wasn't enough uh, uh, a month and a half ago, he released nine more. So that's now 43 songs in the last six to eight weeks. But he, it, it was it was basically like this is these are like a continuation of American heartbreak. It's called summertime blues. Um, this nine song EP is, I, I highly recommend it. There's seven, six to seven of the nine are fantastic songs. Um, so check that out. And then the other one is a new artist that has released a couple singles, but she finally put out an EP and the, uh, her name is Megan Maroney. This very, very attractive blonde in Nashville who, um, but the first song that she released that is an absolutely phenomenally written song is called hair salon and you know the guys out there are probably rolling their eyes but it's it's a unique and fresh take on a classic country trope of uh finding out that your ex has moved on and being uh heartbroken about it um she's sitting in the hair salon talking about how people gossip in the small town she, she says most of it doesn't affect her but then she hears three chairs down that he's bought a ring and moved on never thought she'd be heartbroken in a hair salon like fantastic song production's great um, and then the rest of the EP was pretty good as well. So I definitely recommend uh, Megan Maroney's EP um, for anyone that is into that type of music. Uh, we said that when we reviewed her stuff on last week's episode. I mean, I, I, I call it like I see it and she's good looking. So <laughs> <laughs> That was your lead, though. That was how you played it. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice like I said, 
nice looking tomato in your salad, right, Logan? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that was actually five <laughs> years ago. Um, that comment was made five years ago this week. Really? Yeah. God, that so. was one of the worst things ever said in country music. Yep. <laughs> but all right. So um Morgan kind of alluded to it, uh, talking about Brent Pry's drip that he had at the ACC Media Days. It's talking season for the uh, uh, college football season about to kick off opening weekends over Labor Day weekend like usual. And uh, since 1976, I believe, the ACC has met for these media days, and it's, it's hosted in Charlotte this year. I don't know if it's always in Charlotte or not, but it's hosted in Charlotte this year. Media gets to come in. We get to hear from the coaches, get to hear from the players, from all the respective member institutions for at least right now they're members. But um, everybody kind of gets an idea of, uh, of – how the t- what the team's mindset is, what the- we hear from the commissioner, all that stuff. But it's kind of cool at the end of it. It'll be coming out in the next week or so, the, the media predictions for the conference. So with that being said, you know, some teams have more hype. Some don't this year. That changes year to year if your name isn't Clemson. Kind of want to throw it around the room to see if there was anything that kind of stuck out about your respective school and uh, which you're a fan from this year. So, uh, Morgan, I know you're pretty excited about the new guy in Blacksburg. Um, oh, yeah. So what was your take on the Virginia Tech media days? Um, just a sense of excitement and um, the competitive nature that he talked about bringing back to the uh, to the team. Um, not to mention his amazing uh, outfit he was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> but just you could just sense his the pride he was he was showing of being back at his at, you know at his school that he started out with coaching um and of course as i said my good bad and the ugly he talked to as he was giving his uh answering questions uh pulled the phone out of his back pocket said all right we just got another one getting better so he's a tech just got much better grabbed a three-star cornerback out of uh richmond so um i just yeah i felt you know a good sense of a much wave of uh, positive feelings that you know tech fans probably hadn't felt for a good five or six years. Mark Mark Packer was on from Packer and Dura. Yes, I specifically heard his comment about Virginia Tech. He said, "Looks like uh, what's his name? Pry Brent Pry, right? Yeah. He said, "Looks like he's already built that wall." Talking about the wall between UVA and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Blacksburg, I was I like, tell oh, Morgan, "It's a big, beautiful wall." Oh yeah, <laughs> like like uh, what's his face from uh, Miami back in the early '80s? Talk about roping off um, Miami. Uh, Jimmy Brent Price about to rope off the state of Virginia away from North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, Bly, your passport has been uh, expired. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving from one school with a new coach to another, um, it's the David Cutcliffe era is over. So, Dustin, anything to stick out with you with Duke's new hire, Mike Elko? Uh, I mean, I, I just think that there's, I guess what I would be excited about, what I'm excited about, just kind of following a little bit, because I didn't get to watch this the whole day or or even his piece of it. But I've been like kind of trying to see what went on, and uh, start of a new chapter is nice. 
kind of everybody's happy and and uh feels good when when hope springs eternal um and what i what i think I, i've got a couple of things i'll say that i saw he said specifically but one thing that i think i appreciate about what i've seen him say over the past few months he's very realistic about what he's trying to do and he's very straight i feel like he's pretty straightforward about what he's trying to do um and one thing I saw that was interesting, and this is this almost sounds silly, but it just kind of shows the thought process. The players and we're talking about the three representatives who came with them. We're talking about just how the food was better, like literally how like the food options that they've created for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the players to be able to get has been improved. So the point being, like they're literally taking a from the ground up approach to like what what are all the things that we have to do to make this program work what are the things we have to do to not be when one conference game in two years and you know 10 games and uh whatever it's been four years or the numbers are awful everybody knows how bad it's been Uh, specific to uh something that we've made a lot of fun of here on this episode he talked about turnovers and about how Duke has not had a positive turnover ratio since 2013-14, and how that, yeah, it's all that's really awful. And he was like, that was like, he's like, that's the best Duke football in, you know, since Steve Spurrier. He didn't say that, but that's basically what he said. And um, he was like, so we've spent a lot of time focusing on, like, creating a mentality of taking care of the ball, what that means. Um, just talking about, you know, from the defensive side, creating it, but also they've been so awful at protecting it that that literally, I've, I can't tell you how many games, I mean, if if they had done a better job taking care of the ball, Coco would actually probably still be coach because they would have won some games that they should that they lost. It's been really awful. So I was happy to hear him say, like, yeah, it's bad. He, but as a larger point, he also just said, <clears throat> Look, everybody knows the stat. <laughs> he basically was like, "They're they're not good. Um, we're not spending too much time looking at the past. We're focusing on building that foundation and and trying to install the culture that we want to." He's been very good about not. He's he's not saying like, "Hey, Duckluff was bad or good or whatever." He's like, "We're just doing things different." And um, I appreciate that about him. I also saw he was pretty high on. Uh, he loved the fact that in the new scheduling model that we had Carolina State and Wake and his uh, comment was basically he thought it was always so silly that um, Duke played State every six years. Um, so I appreciate that. That also tells me he wants, you know, he wants those challenges. He wants that sort of in-state back and forth that you get bragging rights and, and the push-pull. And the last thing that stood out for me that I saw that he was talking about, he was talking about the Coastal Division. And uh, I hadn't really thought much about it, but he, until I read what he was saying, Coastal Division has four new coaches this year. And almost everybody has like a new quarterback or a new coach or like some important position has changed. And he was like, you talk about Coastal Chaos, we're probably in for a hell of a year for the last year of, division so <laughs> i thought that was pretty 
pretty spot on for what we're probably going to get. So it'll be a fun year. You know, at some point, I'm sure we'll do a little season preview. But, you know, my preview is pretty simple. You're just looking to improve. You know, you're, you're looking for a better product. You're looking for someone who's laying a foundation that will grow over time. If, if he does, if he accomplishes that in year one, he's, a, he's already on his way. So um, there's some other stuff, you know, I could dig, dig into, but, you know, this isn't season preview, so we can do that another time. Okay. So, Dustin, <clears throat> I know we refuse now, this year, to talk about the Death Star ruining the purity of amateur college athletics that is the SEC. However, <laughs> uh, it sounds like your coach has an actual mentality of, you know, we're going to start with the studs and build our way up from the foundation, as opposed to the SEC's version of Duke, which I believe is one, two conference or no conference games in two games in the last two years, who uh, the Vanderbilt, college, <laughs> Clark, Lee, Lay, I don't know. Um, that's really who cares. <laughs> yeah, really who made waves this week when he gave this quote. Again, I, I would like to point out that I believe they won two games um, in the last two years. Now, they did win the game we went to where they played Kansas State. But um, <laughs> we both <laughs> Kansas people. Quote, we know in time Vanderbilt football will be the best program in the country. End of quote. He did not say the SEC. He said the country. He didn't even say his division. He said the country. Right. So I, I'd like to point out, first of all, the FBI should be investigating the fact that he just uh, said he was going to assassinate like 300 other different programs so that they would become <laughs> the best program in the country. But uh, yeah, so it sounds like your coach at least sounds reasonable compared to this clown in Nashville. Yeah, I, I couldn't. When, when I saw his quote, I couldn't believe it because when you're a coach who's doing this kind of stuff, you have to have credibility. Like there, there's a, a baseline of credibility that you have to have. Vandy can make an argument that like, look, we're going to get better. We we're going to get some, go to some bowl games. But when you claim that you're going to be the best team in the country, that's ludicrous, especially in that conference. And just, I know I mentioned this to y'all before, but I'll say it here. I appreciate that Elko has been very realistic in his expectations. He's basically said, we're going to create the best program that we can create and we're going to get better. And like, he's basically saying we're going to be competitive, but he's never, he's not going out there saying we're one, he's going to win the conference two, He's going to win a national championship because neither of those things are going to happen. So I don't know. Some people live in rainbow land. Some people live in real life. This guy lives in Rainbow Land. And if he thinks recruits are going to buy into what he's selling, you're all right. If you're a kid who Vandy would recruit, but you could play at Stanford or Northwestern or Duke, or if you're really good, Notre Dame, you're telling me you're not going to go to one of those other schools and not have to play SEC competition and maybe have a shot at be, like making a bowl game. Come on. Let me start with another, and I don't have this quote in front of me, but I did read it today. Let me step in with another Coach Lee quote, or however you say his name. He said he's at the best school, in the best conference, in the best city, in the best nation. Now, I've been to Nashville. It's an okay city. I really like it a lot. I have a lot of It's good a good city. There. Yeah. Yeah. 
best conference. I can understand that. Best nation. We've we've been over that multiple times in this podcast. Number one. But you know. Yeah, yeah. This, which brings me to my next comment. Don't smoke crack. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously. <laughs> oh my god. And that kid must have been hanging out with Hunter Biden. It's just absolute silliness. I, again, it is a silly place. <laughs> it, it, no one credibly believes that. No recruit believes that. No person believes any of what he's selling. And so, Vanderbilt even had a decent football player, Jay Cutler. They, true. They had the kicker. He's he's now retired from the NFL. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who was it before Jay Cutler? Exactly. Crickets. Yeah, Crickets. I don't know. <laughs> Crickets. They did have the woman female kicker who was on the team for a minute. Just, just stop. <laughs> I'm just, just that's stop, a fact. Just stop, just stop. Just stop. I mean, she was probably the best female player in the SEC. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> silliness. It's silliness. <sighs> <laughs> All right, Ryan. After last year, you had all the hype. This year, you're looking for some hope. What is it that uh, you took away from Mac Brown and the Heels in Charlotte this past couple of days? See, so you were listening with that little intro to Mac Brown's whole uh, his whole stick this year. That's by the way. Every time I feel like he was on the screen today, they pointed out that he was the second winningest coach of all time which I really appreciated. That was a nice graphic they put up there. Active, active coach. Active, yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's the seventh, yeah, but the other yeah, five he, are retired. He, he, he wasn't too happy about the, the divisions being taken away. No, he was not. I mean, I wonder why that is. Because he knows he won't win. Uh, I think it's different. <laughs> I think it's different, guys. No, because there's like three good teams in the Atlantic that are much better than North Carolina. I think you're missing it here. Mac is a man of routine. And he's, he's a man of his ways. And when you start to mess with his ways and you start to mess with his routine, you know, he's used to, you know, he's used to the colors. He's used to the teams. You know? did, did he did he request all noon kickoffs this year so he wouldn't have to be up too late? He's probably like, first they take away my divisions. Next, they're going to cut off Matt Lockett for. <laughs> Damn it, Logan, you beat me to it. <laughs> Just Next thing you're going to Next thing you're going to do is take, 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 take the insurers out of the, uh, the refrigerators. <laughs> That's the first thing they did when Larry Fedora got fired. They removed the Red Bull and added insure. <laughs> I jumped in front of it. I knew that there would be – actually, no one would want to hear my opinion. We would just want to make old people jokes. So hopefully all the old people that are listening <laughs> get terrible. Um, I think that demo is listening to us. <laughs> I've been the one standing up for the tomatoes and the salad, the women kickers, and the old people. So, pointing that out, they, going on record. Hold on, hold on. One, one last thing: Did they put in a chairlift by his office? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope they gave him a life alert. <laughs> <laughs> so, he thinks that last year they were criminally overrated. When a reporter suggested the targets, 
football coach, Mac Brown, that UNC appears to be criminally underrated this season. He responded, I love it because we were criminally overrated last year. I like to go on record and say I agree with my ball coach because I believe we ranked fifth in the country last year. And even I came on this podcast and I thought I was being reasonable and saying, like, well, fifth is way too high. We should be ranked about 12. Now everybody got the <laughs> jokes and we ran with that for the rest of the year. Well, just real <laughs> quick again, remember last year when you guys got ranked fifth at some point in the season last, what, the year before, it was because like a third of the country wasn't playing football. So you had no competition. The SEC was playing football and we were still ranked fifth. No, no, they were not. The Big Ten was. You guys were ranked fifth. There was almost nobody playing. You had like Rutgers and that's about it. Big Ten wasn't playing. They pussy footed around and probably shouldn't do that word. But the pack. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, back, back to Matlock. <laughs> the only other thing I'll point out, I don't have a lot to say about Carolina. We'll do this stuff later. Um, here's, the, here's the main thing to point out, which I thought was great. They asked Mac Brown about the ACC revenue gap. Guess what? We, I'm sure you all have heard enough about it. You have nightmares about us talking about it. This is a very simple comment, and it's what I've been telling you guys, and it's the most Carolina comment I could find, and it's perfect. Anyone that knows anything or anyone that hates anything about Carolina, sorry. This is it. I'm really not concerned about it when they asked him about the ACC revenue gap. Really not concerned about it because North Carolina is going to be one of those schools that if something happened, they would be very valuable to other people and other conferences. And then it says, says he is worried about college football going to two mega leagues, but not worried about Carolina. Mic drop. That's what I've been saying. He's not worried about it because he won't be here by the time they get they get out of their grant or rights. <laughs> it's nice to be the pretty girl at the dance. You know you're going to get a date. You don't know who it is. You're just, you just sit back and wait. Hey, you know, it's nice to be part of the ACC. We were a founding member here. We propped you guys up for 16 years. And, uh, <laughs> If we got to go, I guess, I guess, I guess we'll go and we'll go with someone new, you know? Oh, of course, because whoever takes you, you're like, we're getting a great basketball program. Yeah, your football program is all right. I mean, we'll ACT. deal with that later, but, you know, we got a good basketball program. That's why you picked up. To quote, to quote the hot girl that Logan likes, the ACC is going to be sitting in the hair salon wondering what could have been. <laughs> I see you skipped over the comment I sent you. Yeah, I wasn't going to bring that up. <laughs> I just, I just want to put it on the record. Mac said, Mac was asked about NIL, and he said, before cheaters were cheating, but we could at least threaten them with some NCAA. He says people are throwing around cash, and he fears it's not healthy for the game. So basically, the, the price tag over the table and in, in the public view is too high. It's much easier to just give them bags of cash under the uh, table. I'm getting a phone call. I think it's from the kettle. Hey, kettle this hot? <laughs> yeah. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I don't I there are no proof or at, or of any of the allegations that you love me. So Correct. period. Yeah, well, one thing's for sure. We didn't pay many people. We tried and we got caught by the FBI. So <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't even execute that. We one. couldn't even do that part. <laughs> Shit. I wish I wish that Frank Beamer had been on somewhat a little like bad. I'm talking about damn Boy Scout over here. <laughs> Frank Beamer. probably paid for all of his own meals. Made exactly. the kids pay too. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're going and then, that, right? And, then, and then made and then made the kids clean the tables after they left the restaurant. <laughs> I knew better when we said that we were going to do five minutes on media days that it would. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> mine's pretty fun topic. Yeah, oh, yeah. Kick ass. Hey, it's talking season, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mine's pretty brief. Um, just a few things that some of the coaches uh, were saying, some of the players were saying, like um, Dave Doran, personality-wise, uh, is the opposite of Dabo Sweeney, and I, I'm very much kind of like that because I think Dabo is a used car salesman. <clears throat> uh, Dabo, uh, Dabo just was out there trying to pop the gritty. If if you don't know what that is, ask someone 15 years younger than you. It's a dance that the kids do. Um. Dave Doran out there is Dave Doran's personality is very, very, very Midwest. Um, he, his whole mentality is what he said, how he described NC state and the, after the, I think the 2014 win after over Carolina, it's a blue collar hands in the dirt kind of school. And our, our coach kind of represents that Dave Doran's really good with, uh, as they say, retail politics one-on-one, but he's not, he doesn't love speaking to the media. He has a disdain for the media of which I do share with him. Um, but they ask him about how are they supposed to uh, on, on how you win football games with this year because there's some hype for the pack. And he said very, very plainly, it's no different than how we beat Clemson. Devin threw the threw a ball to Devin Carter in the corner and he made a play. <laughs> That's what I, I like those answers because the stupid questions that the media tends to ask. But then they get to talking to uh, Devin Leary, who's got after last year, you know, record setting season in NC State. Uh, 35 touchdowns, five picks on the season. And he was in all of FBS in the last two minutes of either half. He was in every category, but, but one or two was number one in every quarterback statistic um, in clutch time because he's always been a clutch quarterback since he, he took over the starting role. And they were just asking about what's most important to him. He's always said the accuracy is like something that he's very always prided himself on, <clears throat> something that he's always tried to work on. And Basically, they, they get to asking some of the other players about, you know, with the expectations this year. And, and they're just like, we've always had high expectations internally. This isn't anything new. It's player speak. You know, uh, people read the headlines. So there's probably a, some some uh, expectations among the players to want to. I just hope that Doran can keep the chip on their shoulder like he did all of last year uh, from his media disrespect or he did. And then the one thing that I found kind of interesting was Isaiah Moore, uh, one of the returning linebackers. He was on pace to be a first time uh, or first team all ACC defensive linebacker last year and was going to be a finalist more than likely for defensive player of the year. Then he blew out his ACL, missed the last like four or five weeks of the season. He's back this year. And one thing I found interesting, which kind of speaks volumes to the coaching staff's ability to um, uh, uh, develop players, is that he only had one power five offer coming out of high school and it was NC State. And the dude was a monster last year. Uh, that just pre- speaks to the development and the strength condition in, in Raleigh um, under this coaching staff. Um, Dave Doran is my kind of coach. He has a big, big house that I'll never be able to afford on Lake Gaston, spends his time out there, and sometimes he'll play the <laughs> NC State uh, fight song when people ride by on their boats and, and beep the horn. He was at a music festival out in, I think, Montana just this past week uh, talking to the lead singer of American Aquarium, who's also a, a former NC State student. So. Dave Doran, you know, he's he's my kind of guy. I, li- I like Coach D. So looking forward to this season. Liked what he had to say at the media days. And uh, I'll save the rest for our preview show coming in a few weeks. And we'll snippet this and we will play it in November when you inevitably get to your Dave Doran's got to go speech that we've heard every year for the past fall. <laughs> All right, that's been Kevin Keats. I like <laughs> Dave. I'm on the Dave train.
And then, in fact, so was Lane, Lane Kiffin. He was wearing, he's, him and Dave were buddies. He was wearing an NC State hat the other day. Kind of cool. But Thank I you. wonder how, that, how the Ole Miss uh, uh, carpet bag fan feels about his coach <laughs> wearing an NC State hat. <laughs> I feel great about it. I have a suggestion. We've teased a piggyback pod in the past. Um, that would just be all about finances and how you can, you know, do all sorts of things that I don't have to pay attention to because I have a wife. And, um, <laughs> and uh, I think that we should have Lane Kiffin's daughter on so that we can teach her about how, how she spends her dad's credit cards. And if you don't know what I'm talking about and you want to see Lane Kiffin in an NC State hat, just go look at I believe it's Lane Kiffin's Twitter. I think so. And, yeah. And you can see his reaction to the fact that his daughter spent believe it was $731 of his money at a store while he sat on a bench at the mall. So in case you're wondering if Lane Kiffin is a man of people. (laughs) You would think he would be preparing for media day or maybe recruiting or just hashtagging come to the sip. But no, he was sitting on a bench because he's a good family man. (laughs) Who's clearly daughter's daughter's nothing about financial security. Right. They probably haven't had to worry about it too much. (laughs) <laughs> Although I did do the math, what he spent, what, what his daughter spent this week. What did I text you guys? Was it was zero, some crazy fraction. Yeah. 0.0001% of his uh, salary this year alone. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that, that 700 bucks didn't hurt him, but I get the premise of it, why he was upset. But uh, one last thing about Media Day, I kind of want to get your guys' reaction on this. I, I had been, I didn't listen to um i think he's what he's a second year acc commissioner jim phillips um i didn't listen to what he had to say at media day but i did read the reaction of some of the triangle and uh acc generally speaking regional uh journalists and what their reactions were to it and it was let let's just say it was less than stellar on what their reactions were uh the one that stuck out in my mind the most was joe Gilio said that he he spoke like he was the commissioner of an Ivy League uh, com- of the Ivy League rather than a Power Five conference that's trying to fight for survival in 2022. That is not very reassuring for me in terms of history of the uh, the the future of the ACC being carried on. So I kind of want to get your guys' reaction if you did listen to it or if you've heard anything or read anything about how Jim Phillips did. Um, he also slipped up and messed up the amount of teams that are currently in the conference. So, I mean, it, this is the guy driving the boat right now. I mean, what do you guys think about um, Commissioner Phillips? The little bit that I caught, he just, he seemed like he had no idea what the hell he was doing. He seemed like nervous and just a guy who, in class, who does not want to give his presentation because he doesn't want to speak in front of a group of people unprepared and and just was ready for the for a question that was more on the lighthearted fun side they could joke about because as soon as they said let's let's turn this topic to something else like yeah yeah, let's go ahead and do that please not a good look from the commission no (laughs) i listened to some of what he said today he was on again today for the coastal side um there's two media days they did atlantic conference yesterday they did coastal today and um, I didn't watch yesterday because I don't care about the Atlantic. <laughs> no, that's not true. But um, I just, I was busy. But uh, I watched what he said today and I saw the reactions to what he said yesterday. Um, 
we can dive into this more if you want, but anytime someone can use a VeggieTales uh, video to make fun of what you are saying, that's not good. Um, also, when he <laughs> spoke today, um, Google VeggieTales, if you don't know what it is, uh, the context there is that he's, when he spoke yesterday, he spoke about you know, the Ivy League stuff. He spoke about how he wanted to play ball with everybody, how he wished we all lived in a neighborhood. It seems like these two big mega conferences that are being mean bullies are living in a gated community and then they're receiving behind their walls and they're taking their ball with them and going home. Um, hence the uh, VeggieTales video of the cucumber who screams that he wants his ball back and the gated community won't give it to him. They're on the other <laughs> side of the fence with their golf clubs bouncing up and down, telling everyone how wonderful it is in their gated community. And I believe at the end of the video, uh, they throw the dodgeball and it hits him in the back of the head. So that's about what I <laughs> to happen to the ACC. This, this <laughs> but, man uh, was probably never picked to play dodgeball. He was probably picked either last or never, not at all. I can tell you what he wasn't picked to do, and that was to be the, the uh, Big Ten commissioner two years ago. So <laughs> naturally, see, thought this was the guy. Uh, but long story short, I don't want to pile on, but I just – he talked about the student athletes. That's great. That's why I watched Packer and Durham. Not going to say anything bad about that. Talked about Title IX. He talked about all the other different stuff, the diversity stuff, which is super important because that's where the athletes are coming from and that's where their heads are at. He talked about a lot of other different stuff. What I didn't, he even talked about his family, he talked about his kids and how they grew up with it and everything else. But he was nine minutes into talking and he hadn't yet touched on football. When they asked him about football, he said it was his priority. So I, I, I'm confused. And it's not that I care too much or I care too little. As I've said multiple times on this podcast, I think Carolina will end up just fine. But, dude, like, what's the plan? It's a priority, and yet we're hearing about so many other different things. And you're screwing up how many teams are in the conference, which leads people to run to Twitter and wonder if you're talking about the right conference, who are we adding? All the SMU people went nuts because they, they're assured now that they're joining the conference. And it's like, we don't want you. I, no one wants to be in Dallas. We don't want to fly there. We don't want to be there. We don't want to, if we have a revenue problem, why would we add, why would we add another team to split more money? It just, it makes no sense. So I'm not going to say that I'm frustrated. And I'm not going to say that I'm re overreacting. I just, if that was supposed to be when he was going to say something, um, clearly he didn't get the message. Yeah, he, I didn't get to watch it live. I just kind of got to follow the reaction and got to watch the, you know, I read some of what he said. So I, I, I get that form of it. It just didn't seem, um, I get, let me say this. In his defense, there's only so much he can say. Like, what, what's he going to say? Yeah, we want to add these schools and we're going to negotiate with these, these, uh, contracts for these media like he, he can't go in that many details however what you want to see is like you want him to project confidence you want him to be straightforward but you also want him to show like i'm in control of the situation i'm providing leadership for this group um it, it appears though as the consensus was that that wasn't what he was doing he didn't, he didn't provide the context and the, and the confidence and the leadership that 
that folks are looking for. And that's got to only sort of heighten some of the schools who are ready to leave, you know, want to get out of here. So now do I, I did see, I did see him talking about grant rights. And I, maybe this is some why he's um, maybe not as, uh, I don't know if Adam is the right word, but like showing urgency. Maybe this is why he isn't showing urgency, but he was talking about grant rights and basically it seemed like he was saying like, well, nobody's going to be able to go anywhere anyway. So, <laughs> so like, what are you going to do about it? You know, um, he didn't say that. That is not even a paraphrase of what he said. I'm just kind of making the point. You know, I think he, he maybe feels a Jim little Phillips. bit of a... Jim Phillips says, you can't leave, motherfuckers. Uh, Dustin from <laughs> Miserable and Reckless. Yeah, yeah. Direct okay. quote. Hey. <laughs> yeah, so put it out there. If we can get some points, like, that's what I'm saying. He pointed out that <laughs> in Oklahoma and USC and UCLA waited until the end of their grant of rights, if I remember correctly. And then he yeah. turned that into, so it's really hard to get out of them. And then he kind of like looked at the camera and he's like, so I think that's best for the league or something along those lines. Yeah, it, and that's fine. And that's that's actually, you know, that's fine. again, shoot, shoot people straight. Like as much as you can, share as much as you can. That's active. However, don't that's not a security blanket. Like it does buy you time, but in the next like five years, you better have some pretty big changes that change that completely uh, changes trajectory of the league. You're not going to catch up, but how much of the gap do you fill? And if you're not provide like if you're the wrong man at the wrong time, then we need someone who's going to be hard charging because we do have some time but the, the the issue is like who's gonna what are you gonna do in the next probably five to eight years to fix it some so people are, some people are saying too it depends on i mean the, it depends not, on the notre dame thing which we've talked about yeah i don't buy that i think it's probably gonna end up being more like 10 unless what, and this is, uh, you know, not out of the realm of possibility. Eight teams have landing spots, and they vote to dissolve the conference. That's the only way out. The nuclear option. Yeah. If, if eight teams have landing locations, they can shut it all down next year if they wanted to. So, um, you know, that's why I say, like, if, if he's showing – it's not a security blanket. You still got to be working hard. One thing I will say, I don't say a lot of nice things about the big 12. One thing I will say about what I've read about their commissioners, he's like making the pitch, you know, he's selling the conference. He's basically saying, Hey guys, we're the guy, we're the guys who can be that third conference. Come play ball with us. So, you know, nothing, you want nothing. that kind of message in here. Exactly. Cause nothing describes the way Jim Phillips has handled it thus far more than after he looked they created the alliance thing a year ago everybody was like oh what's going to be this some laughed at it i mean it turns out the people that laughed at it in hindsight were right he he had that handshake deal with the big 10 and the pac-12 he's a big 10 guy uh what was he the 80 at northwestern i think something like that he, he, he had a bunch of different roles but yeah he was he was at northwestern most recently yeah. So, yeah, he's a Big Ten guy. He got passed over for the Big Ten commissioner uh, role, came to the ACC. 
they made that deal. There was no binding contract that was signed. And he made the comment that, what does it say uh, when it was made? What does it say when they ask about uh, contracts? He said, what does it say if you can't look a man in the eye, shake his hand, and know that uh, somebody's keeping their word? Well, guess what, man? The Big Ten stabbed you in the back the first opportunity they got. So that's why, like, all this talk of, like, partnering up with the Pac-12, which I don't really see any value in, if it isn't going to be any contract with that, let's not even go down that road again. But after that comment, I lost a little bit of confidence in, in the current head man of the ACC. They're, they're more concerned about where they're going to put the ACC headquarters than they are about the, their survival of the conference. But newsflash, buddy, if this conference doesn't survive in its current uh, incarnation at a minimum, you don't have to worry about where the headquarters are going to be because you'll be out of a job <laughs> and so will everybody else in Greensboro. So yep. something about the cart before the horse. Yeah. I think we're bearing the lead. The most important thing that Jim Phillips said, and my tongue is firmly in cheek, is that Mark Packer is coming back on the ACC network. <laughs> and everybody knows. I got a little nervous when they canceled Packer and Durham. I was like, oh, maybe they know something we don't know. Maybe, maybe it's all going to hell. Nope. I did think that too. <laughs> and, by, and by hell, just so we're all clear, I thought maybe we were, we were moving to the Big Ten. So uh, <laughs> it's like old it's 97 just, said, yeah, you won't go to heaven, you'll go to Champaign, Illinois. Yeah, <laughs> Big Ten country. It is its own special <laughs> kind of hell to have to go play Wisconsin in January. So, so um, yeah. So if, if you find our opinions annoying, too alternative for your taste, and don't want to hear about our personal lives, you can just tune in to Mark Packer apparently sometime next month on the ACC Network in the afternoons in case you'd like to get his opinion on the eye test and how much he loves Wake Forest being Switzerland and all the other wonderful things that he has to say. Hopefully his dogs will still be in the <laughs> with him. And uh, people can call him a Virginia Tech homer for no reason, which makes <laughs> no sense to me and almost cracks me up. And yeah. uh, he, just, has, he has real out. connections to like Clemson and like Clemson and Wake. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, anyway, whatever. <laughs> I like Mark Bagger. His dad is was not a fan, but I like Mark Bagger. <laughs> he can uh, he can interview athletes about their pole vaulting skills and their rowing and their everything else. So. Well, you know why he's a Hokie fan, right? I think his his wife his wife was a Hokie. Yeah, and that's what they that's what they give him hell for, which is so funny. He's like, hey, guys, like look, so he it. On the set, they've got ACC crap everywhere. I love it. It's like, I could I have it, any of that? They joked at the end of the last show that people were calling in asking for stuff on set. And he's like, come get it. I'm throwing it out in my yard tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I might would have driven down to Charlotte. But... Well, Wes Durham, who's on the show, obviously the famous son of Lee Durham, who was the longtime Tar Heels guy. Uh, announcer he was like please don't tell people that because they will they will look up where you live and then they will come by. <laughs> <laughs> so you want that sort of sarcastic uh you know whatever you can tune in on the acc network i think it's later in august four to seven is what i think i saw but that's really the most important thing and the only thing of value that came out of jim phillips mouth as far as i'm concerned <laughs> <laughs> accurate but well, like we said, it's talking season college football. We'll have the preview show like we did last couple of years coming up in a few weeks as we get closer to the season because we're just about, you know, almost a month out at this point. So 
Well, for this episode of Miserable and Reckless, I'm Logan, sitting here with Morgan, Dustin, and Ryan. We will see you next time.